Praise the Lord. It's good to be in church. Amen, amen, amen. Always feels good in the palace of praise. If you have your Bibles, we are going to go from Genesis to Revelation. No, I'm just playing. Isaiah chapter 55. I love being in Oregon. I said it on Sunday. I love being here. This is half of my home at least. And we're headed to my other half tomorrow. And we're excited for this new year. I know God's going to do good things here at Pal- the Palace of Praise and in the ministry here. And uh, we'll be headed to Texas tomorrow morning and preaching from my home church this weekend and, and uh, in Austin, Texas. And then from there we'll be in Texas. Uh, I think we've got revivals in Texas through February, and then from there we just, I don't know where we go, I think, my wife could probably tell you better than I could, but uh, we're excited with what God is doing, but it's always good to be here, and I'm thankful that I have more than one home, a lot of people don't have a home, I've got two homes and I'm very blessed, I'm blessed, I've, I've been blessed to be here for the past several weeks to spend Christmas and New Year's with you guys, here, I'm already changing, I'm saying you guys, I'm not saying y'all anymore. I need to get back to Texas quick, <laughs> get my accent back. But it's always good to be here, spending time with my family, my brothers, and, and all of you guys, all of y'all. But we've had an awesome time. I hate that I have to beat them at basketball every day. But uh, <laughs> the Darian's just laughing. <laughs> he knows I don't beat them. <laughs> they they teach me how to play basketball. I don't I don't know. I, I think I'm too white to play basketball. That's the problem. That's the problem. We Too short. That's it. Too short. I'm just not any good. But we always have a good time when we're here. And uh, we're very blessed. Thankful that I could have my wife with me. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. I wouldn't be in Oregon if it wasn't for her. And I try to, I try to uh, you know, just be nice to her. Because as long as I'm nice to her, I get invited back. So... That is a huge benefit of keeping her around. Amen. 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 Well, don't let me keep you standing too long. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 9 through 11. And if it doesn't offend you too much, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. And it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and breed or and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. You see, he's he's making a reference from the natural to the supernatural. He's saying, look at the natural, how the water comes down, and when the water comes down, you see new life, right? He said, that's how my word is. When my word speaks, you see life. And he says, it shall not return to me void. He's talking about his word, the words that he speaks from his mouth. He says, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Amen, amen, amen. 
Why don't we lift our hands, if you have your Bible, set it down. Why don't we just lift our hands and give God worship tonight for who He is and what He's done. God, we thank You for who You are. God, we thank You for entering into this place. God, we thank You for coming into this sanctuary. God, we ask You to move tonight to speak a fresh word of revelation to us tonight. God, in the name of Jesus, we ask You to be here with us tonight, God, that as we listen to Your word, God, we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind, God. We ask You these things in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I just want to preach on a simple subject tonight. I may teach. I may preach. I may hand the microphone to Darian and let him do it. I don't know. But I want to preach on a simple subject. A fresh word. Just a fresh word. Just a simple subject, but something that we all need. Every day. A fresh word. It's easy to get a word but it takes the process to get a fresh word. It's easy sometimes to get a word from God and to live on that word and not go forward and get a fresh word. But it's very dangerous because there's times that God could tell the church or tell an individual to go, and tomorrow He wants you to stay. We need a fresh word. Amen? Amen. In Luke chapter 7, we find a story in... Now, some of these things, some of these concepts or stories in the Bible I've been referencing because this, this concept of the Word of God and the voice of God has been in me, and I've just been preaching it wherever I go, so I may have said some of these things here, but I'll say it again if I've already said it once. But in the book of Luke, chapter 7, we find a very familiar story dealing with a centurion and his sick servant. Anybody know that story? And the centurion, in, in, in chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him, watch this, was sick and ready to die. He didn't just have a fever or have a cough. He didn't have a little cold. He was ready to die. I mean, he was severely sick. He was ready to die and when he heard of Jesus when he heard of Jesus you could preach a whole sermon on those few words right there when he heard of Jesus and sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant and when they came to Jesus they besought him instantly saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this for he loveth our nation and he hath built us a synagogue Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But say a word, but say a word, and my servant shall be healed. What's amazing is that this this guy, this general, this centurion who was over at least a hundred different soldiers 
One of his servants was sick and just about to die. He was about to croak. I mean, it was about to flatline. And he said, hey, I've heard of this guy, Jesus. I've, I've heard that there was a lady who had an issue of blood and she touched the hem of his garment and was completely made whole. She was healed. And I heard that just a, a few days ago in Luke chapter 6, I heard that Jesus was in the synagogue preaching and there was a man whose right hand was withered and Jesus just spoke a word and, and this guy's hand was restored whole, completely. And I've heard how, how this, this man Jesus That when the storm came He just spoke a word Said peace be still And I've heard that, that this man Jesus That he went to a child Who was possessed by a mute spirit uh, He was demon possessed And he just spoke a word And the demons came running out I've heard of Jesus I love new converts Because see they're not as smart as us To debate the word of God New converts, when you tell them God can heal you now, they run to the altar and say, heal me now. He wasn't even a convert yet, but he had heard of Jesus and heard of the good things he had done, and he wasn't smart enough to negotiate or debate or question. He just said, I heard this guy can do it. Let's put him to the test. And he runs out there and says, hey, man, I, I've got this sick servant. He's about to die. Jesus says, okay, where is he? I'll go heal him. No, don't, don't, don't bother yourself. You don't need to take your time to go do that because I know how authority works. See, when you have authority, you can speak to things and the things that are listening obey and respond and react without hesitation. You have authority in your voice, in your words. You have, I know you have authority because just a few days ago you healed that man with a withered hand and you didn't touch him, you didn't pray for him. You just said, stick your hand out. He said, so you just speak a word. That's all we need. Just say a word. I need a fresh word. I need a word because your word can heal my servant. And Jesus responds and says, wow, I've never seen faith like this. Ooh. That's probably one of the things I would love for my God to say to me. I've never seen faith like you have. He has seen faith from the beginning to the end. He's seen the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The, the faith of Moses and Joshua. The faith of all these people in the Bible. And the heroes of faith. He has seen their faith. But yet he speaks to the centurion. Just a, 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 small, a small passage of scripture. Reference to him. And he says, I've never seen faith like this before. What was it about this man's faith? That made Jesus marvel. It was the fact that this man had faith. That understood that all you have to do is just give me a fresh word. All you have to do is just open your mouth and speak. And power is going to come out. All you have to do is say a word. And your word will not return void. See my servant is void. My, my servant is sick. So you just speak a word and he'll come up. And Jesus speaks and his servant is healed. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine Jesus pointing his finger in your face and saying, I've never seen faith like yours before. But all it takes is just a simple faith that says, Jesus, I know you have power. 
And all you have to do to release that power is just speak a word. I know that you have life and life more abundantly. And all you have to do to release that life is just speak a word. But the tragedy of our churches today is that we are distracted by so many voices that we don't hear the voice of God. The tragedy of our churches is that the greatest tool, the greatest weapon that that we have because we have the Holy Ghost, we don't hear it and we don't access it and we don't use it. It's the voice of God. Because it's the voice of God that can turn a world upside down. It's the voice of God that spoke to 12 failures that caused them to become the 12 disciples. It's the voice of God that can peace the storm and divide the waters. It's the voice of God. It's the voice of God, but if we don't hear the voice of God, we don't access the power that's within His voice. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus speaks to the lukewarm church, the church who had grown lukewarm, room temperature, and he says, Behold, in verse 20 of chapter 3, I stand at the door and knock. But he says, If anyone, now he's speaking to the church, somebody say, That's me. He says, If anyone hears my what? My knock? No, because anybody can hear the knock. It don't take a deep saint to hear the knock. It don't take a lot of praying to hear the knock. Anybody can hear the knock. But you see, it's not the knock that brings the revelation of who's at the door. I could walk to just about any of you who's three years old or older and say, knock, knock, and you say, who's there? And then it's my voice that reveals who's at the door. You see, there's a lot of things that are trying to knock at our door. And we make the mistake of opening the door to the wrong distractions because we don't listen for the voice. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone would hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. The revelation is not in the knock because the knock is just the alert that somebody's at the door. But it's when the voice of God speaks and the church is in tune with the voice and says, Hey, we hear the knock, but let's see who it is. And when we say, who's there? And we hear the voice of God. We open up the door and he comes in like a rushing mighty wind and fills all the house. But it's the voice of God. The voice of God. Now I know I'm probably preaching too loud on a Wednesday night. But I'm an evangelist and I have that inadequacy that I can't preach without screaming. And the other thing I can't preach without is your amen. That was easy. John chapter 10 Verse 1 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Somebody say amen. Amen. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. Are any of you the sheep in God's pasture? 
he says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Why? Why do they follow him? For they know his Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Didn't your mom ever teach you not to talk to strangers? But yet we have people in the church who are going down weird and strange paths. And we're wondering, how are they going down these paths? They come to church every Sunday and, and, and every Wednesday. And they're even at prayer. I mean, but you see, they don't hear the voice of God. And they're hearing all these other voices. And we see them going these, down these paths of depression and discouragement and addiction and perversion. And all these strange paths. Why? Because they don't know the voice of God. And when the voice of strangers speak to them, they get confused. And they begin to follow those other voices saying, wow, that looks enticing. That looks appealing. That looks attractive. And then you get down the path and you turn around and say, wow, what has happened to me over the last few weeks, the last few months, the last few years? How have I gotten so far from God? It's because sometimes we get led astray by voices of distraction, deception, and delusion. And God says, if you would hear my voice, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the only way to heaven. And if you would hear my voice, And in verse 27 of chapter 10, watch this verse. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's deeper than what it reads in the English. Because in the Greek, that word know is gnosis which means that he penetrates your spirit, that he gets on the inside of you. I just want to pass over this point. But when Adam knew Eve, she conceived a son. And when God knows the church, we conceive new souls. But the only way the church can have new birth and conceive new people is when we hear the voice because he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. I come into them. I fill them. I don't stay on the outside and just touch them on the outside. I fill them. And at that point, you don't have a choice, but you birth new souls. And you pray people through to the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you've heard the voice of God, and now you have Him on the inside. And when God is on the inside of you, you can't be dead. Because God is not dead. He is surely alive. i got to run down these scriptures here. I'm going to preach for three hours. John chapter 6 and 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words, somebody say words. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. He don't speak no dead words. When he speaks, it's life. Power. Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says, 
But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and, and keep it. Psalms 119, I'm skipping some of these verses for sake of time. Psalms 119, verse 9, New King James says, How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? New Living Translation puts it this way. How can a young person stay pure? Now, you elders, don't think this is the, the finger pointing at your children. We're all young in the eyes of the Lord. He says, how does a young person stay pure? And the New Living Translation says, by obeying your word. Verse 10, back to the New King James, it says, With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Psalms 119, same chapter or same psalm going down to verse 101 says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way. Why? That I may keep your word. 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. That's the word of God. See, we look for the miracles of God. We look for the signs of God, the wonders of God, the performances of God. And God says, hey, don't you realize my power's in my word? You can have miracles and still be in darkness. Three amens. You can have performances of God and still be lost. Because in the last days, they'll come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? Didn't we pray in your name? Didn't we do that? Didn't we go here and didn't we prophesy and see the miracles and wonders? Yeah, but I don't know you. I don't know you. Depart from me, he says in the last day. Depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Watch this. This is off the notes. He says, I never knew you, you workers of. You know what iniquity is? It's the desire of sin. You know what transgression is? The decision of sin. Okay, break it down. Iniquity is the inner desire to sin. Thoughts. I desire to lust. I desire that temptation. I desire to do this. I desire looking upon someone pervertedly or or uh, thinking bad thoughts sinning on the inside that's your iniquity transgression is the action of that desire the decision on that desire so now you see how how deep that passage is he says i never knew you the workers of iniquity I, I, he didn't say workers of transgressions he didn't say, I never knew you, yo, you people who go out and sin every day. He said, I'm talking to the church, the people who come to church, but yet on the inside, they have the desire of sin on the inside. 
He says, I never knew you because on your inside you have sin and I can't be where sin is. I can't be inside of you because you have sin on the inside. I'm not talking about transgression. I'm not talking about you going to the bar, smoking the drugs. I'm not talking about you doing those things and looking at that magazine. I'm talking about the desire on the inside. He says, I'm supposed to be on the inside. Iniquity's supposed to be out. I'm supposed to be in. But he said, I never knew you because you've worked with iniquity. You worked with a desire to sin. You're living in darkness. And he says, my word is a light. My word is the lamp unto my feet. My word is the light unto your path. The word of God. You can have miracles, signs, and wonders, but still be working in iniquity, living in darkness. And God says, all you need is my word. You don't need all the miracles, signs, and wonders. What you need is my word because watch this. The miracles, signs, and wonders will follow them that believe. It don't take a lot to believe. The devils believe and tremble. Which means miracle signs and wonders could follow the devils. They believe. Revelation 19, verse 11, and I'm not going to go a whole lot longer. Revelation 19, 11 says, Now I saw heaven open. Before I keep reading, I'm preaching about our fresh word. Okay? We've got to have a fresh word. And let me just say this, that this church is blessed. Because Bishop King has been here, I think, 37 years, 36 or 37 years. So as far as I know, since long before I was ever a twinkle in my father's eye, this church has been receiving a fresh word. Think about all the people that are living right now, six to seven billion people. And now think of all the people that are quote-unquote saved. Not very many in comparison to all the people that are alive. Because many are called fewer chosen and, and the people who go to heaven are on the narrow path and there are few that are beyond it and, and the, the, the path to destruction in hell is broad and there's a lot of people on that path. But just think how blessed we are that we have received the word of truth. I haven't won the lottery, but I won the word of God. I pray every day, God, why me? God, why did you choose me? Do you understand the probability of me even being here? That, that all this came together. That, that I'm even alive today. That, that my great-great-grandparents met. And my grandparents met. And then my parents met. And then they conceived me. And now I'm here. But not just that I'm here, but that I'm here with the Word of God. What are the prob what's the probability? What are the chances that you are here today and you are holding in your hands the Word of truth for eternal salvation? But now let me ask you, let, let me get strong for a moment. What are you doing with the Word? See, you have the word, and I would say almost everybody in here has responded to that word, baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, but now you're sitting here, and God's looking and saying, Okay, I've empowered you. I have fueled you with my word. Now what are you doing? And sometimes, and I'm just pausing for a moment, 
But sometimes we get so caught up on our small, 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 small problems. See, I've got the Holy Ghost and I've been baptized in Jesus' name, but I still deal with problems. And the enemy would love those small little problems to stop me from empowering this word. And I could come back to church every Sunday and come back to church every Wednesday and come back to church every week and look at my small little problems and allow those small problems to keep me to go into the highways and to the hedges and preaching this word. But I preached a couple weeks ago when I preached on the cup, hold on to your cup, that the disciples, that they left from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day they went to the temple preaching. They had stripes on their back. They had blood coming from their head because they had been severely beaten. And that should have stopped them from witnessing. They had big problems. But they say, I don't care. My problems are going to push me into my plan of God. My problems are going to push me into the purpose of God that he has for my life. My problems aren't going to keep me from empowering the word of God. I don't want to see any hands raised because I'm guilty right now. If we were raising hands, I'd be the first to raise my hand. But when's the last time you've truly empowered the word of God in your life? But we pause and we stop and we are hindered and and we are slowed down from empowering the word of God in our life and, and talking to others about this word because we have small, small, small problems. Well, I'm depressed today and I, I'm discouraged and I just didn't get the grades in school I didn't want and, and my mom didn't cook the, 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 the meal I wanted to eat. And you know, I, I, I'm just a little discouraged right now. But, but you see... How small that problem is in comparison to eternal salvation. My small problem of having a depressed day or having a day where I've got a hangnail is so small in comparison to this entire world who does not have the fresh word of God. We ought to be able to look at our small little problems and say, wow, well, that'll go away soon. But this person might be in hell for all of eternity. I need to empower the fresh word of God. And I need to talk to somebody. Ah, I'm getting off here, but I'm just in the Holy Ghost. I was praying here a few mornings ago. It, I, I don't even remember what day it was. And I was praying and, and I felt the love of God. And I was praying and I was crying and I was groaning in the Holy Ghost. And I said, God! There's so many people that are going to hell if you don't. And as soon as I said, you don't, God stopped me. And the Lord spoke to me and said, no. There's so many people who are going to hell if they don't. Because God's already paid the price. Does he have to pay the price again? Does he have to come down and die on a cross again? No. Once was enough. It atoned for our sins for all of eternity. He said, I've already paid the price. I've already spoken the word. But they will go to hell if they don't respond and receive my word. 
It's not if I don't, it's if you don't. You see, we're not waiting on God to speak another word or write another Bible or die on another cross. He's already spoken. He's already died. What God is waiting is he's waiting on us to respond. We're not waiting on God. God is waiting on the church. He empowered us and said, I'm leaving. I'm going up to heaven to sit on my throne. And I'm going to empower you to become my body. And the way that I'm going to empower you is with my word, my spirit, my truth. So that you can go. I know this isn't a popular message. But I'm just wondering, how long? Has it been since you've empowered the word of God? When did you receive this word? How long have you had this word in your spirit, in your consciousness? How long has it been since you've possessed this word? And I'm asking you, church, honestly and sincerely. How long has it been since you empowered the word of God? We hear it, we listen to it, we preach it, we believe it. But do we empower the word of God and access the word of God and use the word of God and spread the word of God and tell somebody about the word that we've received? I feel a burden on me tonight. Because what is the word of God? Let me tell you what the word of God is. Revelation 19, 11 says, Now, now this is John the Baptist. He's, he's speaking here. He's prophesying this vision. He says, I saw heaven open. Not John the Baptist, it's John. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. Those words are capitalized because he's talking about a person. I'm going to read it again. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name. Somebody say he had a name. He had a name written that no one knew except He was clothed or clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. If that don't give you goosebumps, I don't know what will. And verse 16 says, And he has on his robe. And on his thigh, a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's John on the island of Patmos saying, I had a vision of the end times, of the last days, the battle of Armageddon and when the Antichrist is coming to take the church and to take this world. But all of a sudden, heaven opened up and there was somebody riding on a white horse and he had a name that people were confused about. and They didn't really know, but he knew his name. And his name was the Word of God. 
because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, and the Word, and the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory oh God his name is the word of God because he is the identity the DNA and the power of the word of God and don't ever let us get confused of who Jesus is because when he came riding on that horse He wore a label on his thigh. He said, I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. That's a powerful revelation. Something, one of those verses that I've read probably many of times, but I felt when I read it, it's like, wow, I've never seen this before. That his name is the word of God. That's how powerful his word is. It's not just written a written word, but it's a living word. Woo. You see, we need a fresh word. Because when things grow dim, when things grow dark, and I think I referenced it the other night, but when the world, the Bible says, when it became void and darkness was on the face of the deep, God said, wow, the earth that I've created is now without form and void and it's dark. The only way I can fix it is with a fresh word. Let there be light. And from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you have 400 years of silence as if the earth or the world had become void once again. And God said, well, the only way I can fix this is like I did it before. Let me speak another word. And when he spoke the word this time, he came walking out in flesh, fulfilled his own word. I know I've referenced this the other night that when Adam and Eve fell, the Bible says in Genesis 3.8 that they heard the voice of the Lord. Can you imagine? It says they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. When they had fallen, when they had failed, when they had backslidden and been deceived, they thought death is coming to us. But it wasn't death, it was life. The word, the voice of God began to speak. He provided a substitute, a sacrifice. One of the last references I want to make tonight is that of Elijah. Many of us, most of us at least, know the story of Elijah. In 1 Kings 18, when we find the story of Mount Carmel and the revival he had there, And he had shut up the clouds because he had God. He had a prophetic anointing upon his life. And and he said, it's not going to rain until I speak again. And then he told Ahab, he said, hey, send your prophets out. Send all the guys, all the the, the prophets of Baal. Send them out to Mount Carmel. We're going to settle this thing now. He said, how long are you going to be between two opinions? How long is it going to be? You need to make up your mind today. Either serve Baal or serve God. Make up your mind now, he says. But today is going to be the day where we reveal who is the one and one true God. You know the story? Fire falls. He saturates the, the altar with water and fire falls from heaven. And all of a sudden, things begin to change because 
the Spirit of God is on Elijah. The fire falls from heaven and, and consumes the altar on Mount Carmel. And he proves that day who is the one true God. Then he tells Ahab, okay, it's about to rain. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. He says, you better get your chariot and ride on to Jezreel before the rain stops you. And then all of a sudden, the clouds begin to form and they get dark and the wind begins to blow and rain is a coming. And he girds up his loins and he runs and outruns that chariot. Faster than Usain Bolt. He outruns that chariot. He makes it to Jezreel. I mean, there had to have been at least two or three horses on that chariot. So he was running at least four or five horsepower. And he makes it to Jezreel before Ahab. And when he gets there, he gets a word from Jezebel. Not an attack, just a word. Jezebel sends a message because she's heard what Elijah has done. Because that weak little puny Ahab rides his chariot right to his palace and cries once again to Jezebel and says, Can you believe what Elijah has done? He's embarrassed me. He's shamed me. She says, Don't worry. I'll take care of it. She sends a word to Elijah. He's just had the greatest revival the world has ever seen. Fire fell from heaven and consumed an altar that was drowned in water. He ran. I mean, I don't know how fast he ran. He ran so fast he beat a chariot of horses. And now a simple word completely defeats his spirit. The word says, hey, I'm going to do to you by tomorrow what you did to the prophets. I'm going to kill you. And all of a sudden, he's got post-anointing blues. He steps off the platform he steps out from the spotlight and he is completely saturated in depression. Why? Because of a word. A word. The messengers didn't bring swords. They didn't, they didn't try to attack him. They didn't push him. They didn't shove him. They just handed him a word. Here's a word. Isn't it amazing how that old spirit of Jezebel straight from hell knows the power of a word? Isn't it amazing how the devil knows that all he has to do to depress you after a fiery revival on Sunday night or your great service on Wednesday night, Sunday morning. Isn't it amazing how the devil knows that after you've been speaking in tongues and you've been healed and set free, that all he has to do to you is just speak a word? To completely discourage and depress you, all he has to do is just speak a word that's against you. All he has to do is, 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 is get somebody in your job to talk behind your back or get somebody on Facebook to, to gossip about you a little bit. Isn't it amazing how the devil knows I, all I have to do to this tongue talker is just speak a word. I can depress them faster than anything else, faster than any attack. My word can depress them. Jezebel sends a word and all of a sudden... Elijah's depressed, discouraged, and defeated. And he runs to that juniper tree, lays down. And now he's got a suicidal spirit on him because he says, God, it's enough. I've had enough. I'm ready to die. Just kill me, God. I'm ready to die. I've, I've put up with this enough. I can't do it anymore. He falls asleep. The angel comes and touches him. There's a cake and some water. He wakes up, sees the angel, sees the food, eats the food, drinks the water, goes back to sleep. 
I mean depressed. How many of you, if you're sleeping in bed and an angel wakes you up, how many of you are going to roll over and say, what's up, Michael? Uh, give me 10 more minutes. <laughs> I mean, that's depression. Because you know it's depression that keeps you in the bed. I ain't getting out of bed today. I don't care how many angels you send. I'm staying right. I don't care how many cakes you bake. I'll eat them in my sleep. Elijah was so depressed that not even an angel who cooked for him could get him out of bed. I'll read just a few of these verses. But in verse 5 of it says, Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, and this is in chapter 19, said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked in coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. No more snoozing. He says, The journey is too great for you. He arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He had gone into a cave, a cave of depression and defeat. And God sent a word and said, what are you doing here? You have my anointing. Why are you hiding it in a cave? Why are you hiding it in a cave? The world is out here waiting to hear my word and you're trying to hide it in a cave. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous. See, he gets that victim mentality. I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Verse 11, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain." Before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, watch this, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, what happened was Elijah had gone into the cave and God said, no, Elijah, you can't do that. Let me show you some things. You see, my power my presence is more than just miracles, signs, and wonders. Watch. Watch, Elijah. Stand. Stand right here. Watch. I want to show you. And he sends a strong wind. And the wind was so strong that it tore mountains apart. He says, now watch. Watch, Elijah. And he sends an earthquake. And then he sends a fire. And Elijah just stood there watching it. And then God says, now, listen. Listen to my whisper. 
Listen to my voice. Listen to my words. And when Elijah heard his voice, the Bible says that he wrapped himself in his mantle, his prayer mantle. You know what that's a reference to? A reference to the angels standing at the foot of the, th the throne of God. When they stood around the presence of his glory, the Bible says that they would wrap themselves in their wings. They would cover their face because his glory was too bright, too powerful for them to, to experience. And the Bible says that when Elijah heard the still, small voice, but what about the strong wind that tore up the mountains and the earthquake? And what about the fire? You could tweet about that. And wow, you could build a huge church on, on those tangible signs. Woo! You could really impress some people. Let me tell you, I, I'd be preaching because of the times in General Conference every year if I had signs like that. God said, yeah, but... Don't let those things justify my presence. Because my presence is in my voice. Watch. Elijah, what are you doing here? And it was the voice of God that caused him to cover himself. It was the voice of God that he felt the glory and the power of God. When I read this, the Lord just dealt with me and said, Don't get caught up in the tangible performance of my power. For they do not confirm my presence. But listen for my voice. For I cannot separate myself from my words. I cannot separate myself from my words. Because I am my words. Don't get caught up in tangible signs when, when you see other people seeing things or when you see other people experiencing things or you might see another church who doesn't have truth growing or, or seeing these miracles or seeing other things. Don't get caught up in all that junk. Uh, yeah, yeah, that stuff is good, but really where my power, really where my presence exists uh, is when I speak uh, to my sheep uh, and my sheep uh, hear my voice uh, and I know them. Woo. Let's all stand together. You see, because it's the miracles that make way for the word. If we have miracles but don't listen for the word, we're missing the entire purpose of the miracles. If we see somebody healed of cancer, and I wish we could see it every day happen, but we don't have the voice of God. The Bible says, hey, it would be better to go to heaven with cancer. It would be better to go to heaven maimed, without an eye, without a hand, without a foot. It would be better to go to heaven without those things because you'll be made whole in heaven. I would rather be sick and die and go to heaven than to be made whole right here and go to hell. Because it's the miracles that make way for the voice of God. Watch this. When God performed all those things for Elijah, Elijah just stood there. Saw the winds, saw the earthquakes, saw the fire. And what was Elijah's his, 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 his problem? His, what was his complaint? He said, I'm all alone. He said it twice. If you read it, he said it twice. I'm all alone, God. I'm all alone. I'm the only one left. It's just me, God. I, 
I'm struggling because I'm the only one left. All these other guys, they've been killed and they've backslidden. I'm the only one left. But watch. In that same chapter, God speaks to him a still, small voice. And, and Elijah wraps himself in his prayer mantle. And he covers his face and falls before the presence of God. And a few verses later, God says, get up. I'm sending you Elisha. I'm sending you somebody to go with you. I'm sending you the next generation to carry on what you have begun. To carry on what you have carried for all these years. I'm sending you another minister, another man of God. You won't be alone anymore. It wasn't the earthquake. It wasn't the fire. It wasn't the wind that sent him Elisha. It was after God spoke that still small voice that he said, all right. Now that you've heard my voice, I'm going to provide somebody to go with you. Church, it may seem sometimes like we're standing all alone. It may seem sometimes like we're just by ourselves when we look at the masses of this world who seem to just surround us. When you go to the mall, you go to the store, and you see hundreds, thousands of people every day who don't have the word, and you seem like I'm standing all by myself. But if you could just hear a voice of God, you will be surrounded by the masses of heaven. As I prayed right at this altar this morning, before the sun rose, I prayed right here, and the Lord began to deal with me and said when I spoke when I came in flesh and when I preached and when I talked I didn't speak alone I never stood alone but when I spoke I had the masses of heaven standing behind me I was just praying right here and I could feel God's presence come over me it was as if God showed me that when he came in this life, when he preached and when he witnessed and when he evangelized, he never spoke by himself, not one time. He may have been standing in a pulpit, standing in front of a bunch of critics. Lots of eyes looking to criticize him, looking to oppose him. But he had the eyes of heaven looking to empower him. In the flesh, in the tangible sense, it looked like he stood alone. But in the supernatural realm, in the spiritual realm, he stood with the masses of heaven because he was the word of God. And if we get the word of God inside of us and when we begin to empower the word of God on the outside, when we begin to experience God's word, a fresh word, we don't stand alone. It may seem like it at times, but we have the masses of heaven. We've got angels standing with us. We've got God on our side. And the Bible says, if God be for me... Who can be against me? It's when I speak the word of God that no weapon formed against me will be able to prosper because greater is he that's within us. Can we lift our hands tonight? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Ha. What we need is a fresh word. I wish somebody would just lift your hands for a moment and just say, God, I need a fresh word for this year. God, I need a fresh word for my family. I need a fresh word for my ministry. God, I know that you've given me promises before, but could you speak them to me again? Because I know that your promises are yea and amen, that you are a man that cannot lie. Will you speak a fresh word to my spirit, to my soul, God? 
God, in my spirit, I feel like I've fallen asleep at times. But God, I know that your spirit, that your word is life. Speak a word unto me, God, that I can go forth and empower your spirit. Empower, God, your Holy Ghost. God, speak a fresh word here tonight in the name of Jesus. Come on, just take a moment. It's not even 9 o'clock yet. Just take a moment and pray. We need God to speak to us. We need to hear the voice. He's knocking at our door. But if we'll listen to the voice and open up the door, God will come in and He will dine with us. He will spend time with us when we hear His voice. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody lift up your voice right now. Is it possible that God has not spoken to us because we've not taken the time to speak to Him? Is it possible that God is waiting for us to speak to Him a word of faith, a word of desperation, a bold word with authority that He will return a word? And the Bible says that His word shall not return void. Come on, somebody speak a word of faith. God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we've got to have tongues and interpretation in our church again. God, you cannot shut up your voice. But we've got to hear you again. God, you've got to speak through your vessel. You've got to speak through your church, God. Give somebody the faith, the sensitivity, Lord, to speak in a prophetic tongue that it could be translated, Lord, that we can hear your voice speaking to this church in this hour. The hour is late, Lord. The hour is late, Lord. We know that you are on your way, God. And how can we make it if we do not hear your voice? speaking to your church Lord let there be a fresh word Lord let there be a word go forth tonight in the name of Jesus Christ come on somebody are you hungry right now are you truly desperate for a voice a word from God come on somebody really pray in the name of Jesus Empower his word, the truth that you've received. Empowered in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. A fresh word I speak to you. A fresh word to this church, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, don't stop praying. Don't stop pursuing. In the name of Jesus.
every individual close your eyes in the house. Everybody, every individual close your eyes. Damien. Damien. Stop. Yeah, Damien. 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 We're going to have the music stop playing. With every eye closed, I wonder if God is wanting to speak to somebody right now. the prophet as he said it was that still small voice that you hear we worship you God we're hungry for you I'm hunger for your voice. I need to hear your voice. What you would have me to do, where you would have me to go. I need your voice. It's not an option. It's, it's not something I can go without, but I need to hear your voice. need to hear your voice, God. Speak to me, Father. Speak to me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. What's he saying to you this evening? Jesus, 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 I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. about you, but there's nothing I long for more than to feel the impression of God's voice upon my mind. And there's clear direction, there's clear understanding, there's the confusion fades into the background, and there's a peace that comes over my soul. And it's all because of his voice. Just in the last month or so, I finished reading this book, um, and it's by two psychologists. They're both doctors, and it has to do with this. I haven't referenced it in preach or anything like that, but it's very interesting. And he talks about how digital media and the effects that it has on our brain and, and how it actually rewires our brain, the sensory in our brain. The sensors that we use in our brain to 
feel the voice and hear the voice of God, how it invades those senses in our mind. And that has to do with the noise, like the scripture the prophet's talking about, that noise that invades us. Just we are, There's always something in our life that's going on that we need to take that time to just disconnect and, and just hear the voice of God. And just, and just quiet our spirit and just see, well, God, what do you have to say? I've heard all these voices. I've heard the music. I've, I've the movies, and I've talked to people throughout my day and heard different voices, my boss, my coworkers, customers. But what does your voice have to say to me? The most important voice that should be in our lives too often times is void and vacant in our life. I'm not trying to re-preach a sermon, but it, it's a self-evaluation. How much do we hunger for the voice of God? There needs to be a hunger there. And I thank, I thank you, Brother Chris Green, for this sermon. It was a great sermon. We can take it with us. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Pray you take it with you and apply it in your life as we should with all the word of God that we hear. Let's keep Bishop King and Sister King in, in our prayers. They're sick, and you and different people among us that are sick. Let's pray for them also and um, take this word with you and, and hope you have a great evening. And God bless you. Watch your fellowship with one another.